Hey, friends. Hello, everyone. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> did we have a show last week? We, we did not. Know. No, we're, we're off, off, off last week. So, all right. Yeah. No, it's good to be back after after a nice week off and with an awesome guest. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to uh, tonight's show. And uh, in case you didn't see the title of the show, uh, we're talking to John Mallet tonight. Uh, who is the uh, VP of operations for Bells and uh, also the uh, literal author of the book on Malt, uh, you know, the Bruin Element series. So uh, it's going to be really cool to talk to him about Malt and drinking and whatever other uh, BS, you know, we come up with tonight. Um, do we have any, you know, pre-show business or anything that we need to talk about? Anything that's going on in the next couple of weeks? Or <laughs> no, we're still working out the schedule for the rest of the month. Um, I think okay. we're. What's the next one going to be, Brian Mead? Uh, we're going to cover mead. Yeah, I definitely want to get on mead. I want to get on uh, like mixed fermentation, like wild American like wild oh, yeah, that'd and be stuff good. like that. That'd so, be good. Yeah. Um, not sure which, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll get some posts up the next couple of weeks. But no, yeah, um, that's it. I think we should uh, get into it. I hate leaving guests sitting, so let's bring in John. <laughs> <laughs> so John Mallet, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for for coming and hang out with us uh, and. Um, you know, having a beer. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. It's cool to be here. So we've been uh, we've been doing this for about eight months, um, and and before that, we're just a couple bunch of home brewers. Um, but you, on the other hand, have been doing you've been in brewing for decades, right? I mean, not to try to throw age. <laughs> um, did you start as a home brewer? I, I did just very little homebrewing um, and went into the brewery very early in my brewing, you know, like sort of journey, uh, like professional brewing. And um, that was, I mean, that was like in the mid 80s. So nice. I've been at it for a little while. Um, but, the, you know, like homebrewing, it was fantastic because it allowed me to play with some different stuff that I, I was in a commercial brewery. And... I've always, you know, I love drinking homebrew because there's so much creativity and so much play and, you know, professional brewing, I think you, you're really striving for consistency and homebrewing. That's really not the end goal. I mean, it's great to do that, but it's not like a prerequisite. Right. So. Do you do any homebrewing? you have any time? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of firm, I do a lot of home fermentation, but it's like I like make, I, I, you know I make bread and that kind of stuff. You know I, I I'm oh, very cool. Do you so, like kimchi or anything? Do anything with hot sauce? No, no. I mean no. I'm mostly like breads that you know yeast and yeast yeast and grain. I was just gonna. I was hoping, you know, uh, we also have another club called the Kalamazoo Hot Sauce Enthusiasts. We talk a lot about fermented hot sauces and shit like that. So, yeah. seeing, um, <laughs> what are you drinking tonight? Anything? I'm gonna drink a hop solution first. I also brought. I also have a juicy gossip on the lineup. Nice. So it just came back hop. out again, didn't it? A couple hoppy beers. I'm working my way through the the Hearted series. I, I realized I, a while ago I got a uh, six pack of Cold Hearted and Black Hearted, and I forgot about them. Um, and I've always got two Hearted, so I'm just going to go go down the line. Yeah, <laughs> nice. What about you, Brian? Are you Jordan? As I'm reaching for my bag, oh, over no, here. I've got I got I got some of this. Uh, no, yeah, 
uh, I picked oh, up over the cool. weekend. Yeah, good, good shit. I'm like, I'm really enjoying it. That's actually what I just pulled up too. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I happen to have some of that in my fridge. I'm like, yeah, no, I haven't had it yet. Yeah, that's why I was cracking up, Jason, because you actually said no, yeah, just before we brought it. Just sign them up. Yeah. Right well, on. So you're going to set them up, and I'm going to knock them back. My <laughs> <laughs> usual, you know. Um, I was gonna say usually when it when it comes this time of year with bells, I'm I'm drinking smitten, but uh, that didn't make the lineup this year, right? Oh, sad, sad, super sad. <laughs> sad is the, way it, of the brewery, the way of the brewery, the way things go. I know. Yeah. So, where did you? Uh, what brewery did you start at, John? Back in the '80s. Yeah, I started a brewery in Boston, which was called Commonwealth. It was right down the street from the Gad. And it was uh, it was this English ale brewery brew pub um, with pretty good size, and we used to do huge. It was like the only place I was I've ever seen that had a line, you know, like you you know, line to get through the door. And by that I mean the line to get out the door when like the Bruins or Celtics would play. Because everybody's like putting on their jacket and trying to get out, like we're all going to the game. <laughs> it was pretty big space, and uh, it was just cool to cool to be there. We made English ales, and um, you know, it was just I still remember Boston's best Burton bitter, eight hundred and fifty pounds of pale malt, fifty five pounds, <laughs> you know, caramel, you know, all kinds of good stuff in there. So, and East Kent Goldings, delicious East Kent Goldings. So, yes. it sounds like you're gonna. No, I was, I was just gonna, gonna say, say we're trying to reproduce it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And, and enough fertilization of the water to make it stick. You know that like just kind of dry. You know, like the I love English malt because um, you get that like sort of like pale but a little bit of color. It's got really like a, a, a great toasty biscuity character to it, and uh, you know it's slightly drying, so it works really well with something that's of lower gravity. So you just not, you know, like if you had it, if you had this big malty thing that would like dry your throat out too much because it's a little lower gravity, it dries it out enough that you want to have another sip and it's not so strong that you can't have another sip. And so you just end up bowling back the pints. <laughs> so when you, when you say English malt, is, is it like a, like a Maris Otter or like, are there, are there certain, you know, varieties of two row over there that like you, you, you more specifically mean or. Yeah, well, I think that the you know that English malting was done. Uh, you know, the, the roast would go off at a little higher temperature, so the the malt dries at a higher temperature, and that produces color. It produces sort of a malty flavor. Like when I think about classic like malty malty malt flavor, um, it's it's in there. But it will also it also does a couple of other interesting things. One, it removes all the DMS precursors, so you don't get any of the um, you know, sulfur, sulfur uh, compounds from an insufficient kettle boil, which is often a problem in English English beers. Uh, you know, not a great boil um, at that time. Then changed, and then uh, the other the other thing it does is it is it again gets this like slightly drying, like tannic character to it, like tea. You know, not unpleasant 
And I just think that those combinations work super well, especially on a lower gravity beer. And, you know, if you're talking about classic, like sessionable beers, those are pretty good ones. Right. <laughs> Don't you have it funny yeah. mild or something, Jason? I was just going to say, I, I just mm -hmm. last uh, week ago Saturday brewed an ordinary bitter. Um, bitter. Okay. And I was I was looking at that, John. Like, you know, I'm trying. I wound up using Maris Otter, uh, and I, I added a little bit of caramel malt, just a little bit, to try to get some more maltiness and a little bit more color in it. Uh, and then hopped it with EKG. Super basic. Um, did you put the sugar in? Did I you did want not. Sugar in? That, that's another like classic English thing. A little bit of sugar in there, and it all comes together. Then, right? Hmm. I actually failed because I I, uh, I didn't have any. Um, you know, English yeast on hand. And uh, it, I, it was late. I got to the, the brew store late, my brain cramp, and then I, but I still, I really wanted to brew. Um, so I went and threw Lutra in it, which is a pseudo pill kind of uh, Viki strain. So it's, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what I'm going to get. I'm going to get this weird Norwegian ordinary bitter or something. You didn't, you didn't break beer, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I have broke beer many other times, but not this time. This will this will at least be drinkable. Uh, Jason, uh, he's he's he, he's too shy to admit it sometimes, but he has uh, multiple gold medals. One with a, uh, a Berliner Weiss made with a full box of uh, Fruit Loop cereal. So NHC, like like first place winning beer. So. <laughs> He has broken. So you, want to beer. Talk, you want to talk about breaking beer, John? Probably, yeah. Probably the, probably the worst beer I ever made. I made with Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms? Oh, I wouldn't. <laughs> deal, just dealing with the shit that those uh, marshmallows would put in it would scare me. No. Yeah. But yeah. The, the marshmallows turn the mash like this sickly grayish green. This is like. <laughs> That's what happens with the Fruit Loops, doesn't it? Yeah, so Fruit Loops uh, turns out the, the the first phase of it turns out like dishwater. It's gray, and then it uh, and then as you, I, I do a kettle sour, and so that that drops out some, and it comes out this like uh, greenish, um, blue, real pretty color, at, you know, almost like ectoplasm, and then that kind of drops out in the boil, and you start to get that straw color. The end result is a perfectly clear, pale, beautiful Berliner Weiss. Um, we did it as a joke uh, competition. Not at Keepers of Craft, we all got together and brewed a, a a beer with a box of cereal as a way just to do something fun. And I had bottles left over, and I thought, "What the hell? I'll, I'll throw it in, in HC and see what happens." And it came back, and they write the judges, these nationally recognized BJCP judges, say it's a perfect example of style. I didn't know they had Fruit Loops back in. Uh, in, in Germany in the, in the early 1900s, but evidently that's a yeah, Napoleon Napoleon's troops referred to it as the strawberries of the south <laughs> <laughs> oh man so speaking about the the, the homebrew and the competition since Brian brought that up and I know it's not your your, your probably your space but do you think bells will bring back the homebrew comp this year COVID be damned or is it have you heard anything um, well, I mean, we love we love that event. So we do too. <laughs> yeah, just the idea, just the idea when like COVID was ramping up. Of like, let's get a whole bunch of really you know interested people together in a in a in a pack. Um, and it was not going to happen. But I don't know. I feel pretty confident. You know, I feel I'm feeling a hell of a lot more confident about 
where we're going right now with the speed of the vir uh, the uh, vaccine rollout. And so yeah, I'm 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 really hoping that we're going to be there. Okay. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. That'd, that'd make me happy. Yeah, One of my got, favorite got, times of year. We got no plans to cancel it. COVID is you know COVID's working. Right. COVID's not I, working. Uh, I don't know about you, Jason. I, I don't think it was, but um, Jordan wasn't that your first. Uh, brew basically yep. your first home brew yep yep um, uh, that was my first time home brewing uh on my own was getting some work from the homebrew competition and going home and making a mess of it but hey <laughs> you know that's that's how we learn yeah. and then a year later he wrote me in and i think that was my first experience so yep. yeah yeah that's great <laughs> That's great. Brian and I here, uh, and Jason for uh, for a few years, we were uh, what was it? It was it three or four years in a row. We were the crazy ones showing up at like six a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, were, we were the first ones in line for like four years in a row. I think. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, John, I forgot to tell you, we do try to interact with the group. Over on the side, you'll see comments, and people will throw comments in, and the, as the viewers come and go. Um, and so we, we do try to interact with them. And, and Jason Glass, just to throw these in, uh, he asked if you think there's an underappreciated malt. Um, he's saying he thinks brown, brown malt is underappreciated. Is there anything that you think that's out there that, that doesn't get the attention that you think it deserves? I mean, there's some really lesser known malts. Um, you know, I think about some of like my craft malts, maltster buddies who are making just really interesting things that, um, you know, that whether it's malted rye or, you know, like di different grains. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of so the hybrid where you, where there's a bit of caramelization and a bit of, of uh, high temperature work going on. Uh, so it's a fully malted and you get into stuff like, like some of the flavors and like the old special B, you know, mm, mm -hmm. got to use them with a super sparing hand. But I think the flavors that you get out of them are just amazing. You know, that really just great kind of plum dried plum raisin oh. kind of character. Um, you know, I think that really well-made Pilsen malt is, you know, completely on the other end of the spectrum but it's just fantastic. If, if you had to recommend us buying a particular pills and malt, do you have a, uh, do you have a name drop or anything? Or is that like taboo? No, I don't think it's, ta I don't think it's taboo. I mean, if, if I was playing with some stuff like, you know, true check pills, like I think Wireman's got a floor malted. I don't even know if, if it's available on the homebrew market. I would assume it is, but a floor malted check like bar, uh, barley that's, that's, you know, they, those, some of those things are pretty nice. There's a, um, a couple companies over in Germany as well that, you know, getting into some of their uh, very interesting uh, malts there. Um, small, small producers. Um, but yeah, Almost I think they even find over here. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you think about where that stuff is grown in Czech, Czech Republic and the growing conditions and then that, you know, the, the way that they've made that malt. I mean, I got an entire book written on Pilsner malt translated, <laughs> translated from the Czech. And I'll tell you, it's, huh. uh, you know, very interesting what, you know, the kind of the way that developed and like, and who the hell is translating a book on Pilsner malt in English? <laughs> <laughs> He's got more time on their hands than I do. <laughs> 
but I mean, if there if there is an entire book, you know, to be written about, it, I guess there's something to to be said, you know, about yeah. just how important uh, that is to making those classic files. The book was originally written, I think it was a brewmaster at Pilsner or Keller uh, um and the first book was on make uh, making Pilsner beer, but you're not going to make Pilsner beer proper Pilsner beer without the malt. And the multi-processes are so unique that I think turned around and wrote like, oh yeah, you, you need this too. This is how you get to it. So very cool, long, you know, very cool and long, low moisture germinations, which drive a really different set of um, enzymatic activity and, and make for really different malt. So speaking then of, you know, different malts, European versus like American, is there... Is there is a really huge difference between like the the European like crystal malts and like our American caramel malts, like a uh, you know crystal sixty and caramel sixty and. Um, well, I think there's a little bit of you know to do with the barley variety that's there. Um, more important though, I think, is how those malts are made. So you think about um, malts that are made in a roasting drum. So you can make like a crystal or caramel and a roasting drum, and then they also make what, what they'll sometimes call this a floor crystal or caramel. And those are very different malts. And I vastly prefer a drum roasted. Um, and the you know they can get to higher temperatures and you just you just coax some different flavors out. It gets more like a more glassy endosperm. Both of them are gonna come out, you know, same color, but the, the flavors that they carry with them are really different. I tell you, I, I had a really super cool experience like a week ago, um, just over a week ago, which was um, Brees Malt, had, you know, based out of Chilton, Wisconsin. And there's an old malt house in Chilton built in 1901. And it was originally the Chilton Malting Company. And then Brees took it over, you know, some many years ago. And that's where they made all their malt. And eventually they've grown since then. And they've now since bought... Uh, another malt house over in Manitowoc, which is like 40 minutes away, right on the, you know, it's where the, where the ferry comes in. Um, the letting the ferry comes in, the Badger. Um, and it was owned by Anheuser-Busch at one point, and then they brought it back, and, and it's a really nice facility. And it's about 15 times the size of the one in Chilton. Chilton is super old and kind of not... Um, not very automated like and they decided they're going to close that thing down and so like a week ago they they shut the kilns down for the final time and when that happened they had reached out to me i've been talking we you know we're a big breeze customer i've been talking to them for a while because of about this because i'm a huge you know malt nerd and a, and a, and a huge history nerd mm -hmm. so i went over there as like their sole guest during covid and uh, push the button that shut the shut the thing down. And, oh wow! You know, wow! Dumped the final floor and made the. It was there to do the color checks on the final uh, drums of caramel coming out of there, and now it's now it's closed. It was it was kind of poignant, bittersweet, super cool. Just you know, great places. The guy was the guy was making caramel ball. He's been there for like forty years, and he didn't have the preferred shift because he was the new guy 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> that was I shut down the, the you know the, he, he and I both shut down one burner each, and uh, he's been there for like forty four years. Wow! So, like real craftspeople steeped in history and very cool. That is very. Awesome. Did you get to bring home any of that malt? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> I'm taking the last four drums of malt from there. The color's a little low. The color's slightly low, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> you going to do a special beer with it? Yeah, we'll do some, we'll do some fun stuff with it, yeah. They okay. had the, the, uh, the floor malt that they were making, they, they called it Last Call. I'm super, it's like a, came to about a six uh, Love Bond SRM, and, um, just got a great toasty flavor. It's like sort of moving its way towards like like the like the intermediate step between a traditional English pale ale malt, you know, brought up to a higher color with a more malty character, and then between that and like a Munich, it was nice. Okay. nice. What what uh what would customers use to like what would they make with that malt? Like just traditional English beers, like a or is we're we gonna make like a New England IPA. <laughs> Smash it with juice. Yeah. <laughs> all I'm yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested in pairing that malt up with something that's got a fairly high, a hop that's got a fairly high sort of floral essence to it. I think it just could, would, would you know, come together very nicely there. Not so, not so driven towards the trop, you know, the tropical like yep. mango, but, you know, just this expressive, you know, expressive hop. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So um, I know Bell's is, 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 you guys have started doing some farming, right? And growing your own barley and hops. So I know the hops. I've walked through the hops yards, but I've heard the same with barley. Are you guys malting yourselves? Or are you partnering with somebody to, to malt that for you? Yeah. So we bought a barley farm, I don't know, a dozen plus years ago, um, <laughs> up sort of uh, Shepherd, Michigan. So, you know, middle of, you know, north of Lansing by about an hour. And, we found, you know, we, we found that we were pretty not informed about that. And we had a really good growing partner up there. It's got um, Mike Turnwald and, and his son. And they grew for us. And we grew many, many years up there. And we're making special malts and sending that barley over, over to Brees to malt it. And, you know, I'll tell you that, uh, you know, the Michigan malt is interesting. But, you know, what do you do with it and who's it important to? You know, if you're selling beer in South Carolina, I don't, you know, you're like, hey, this malt came from, like, what the hell do we care? Right. <laughs> oh, that was in, uh, we, we used to make this pale ale, Midwest pale ale, and that was that was the malt in it. Christmas ale, and then something that we would make called uh, the uh, homebrew challenge works. Oh, yeah. 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 Is that why it's been a little darker lately? Yeah, we, yeah. Yep. Okay. Changing, you know, but that malt would change slightly year to year, anyways, just because growing conditions, malting, yeah. whatever, making like yeah. a, you know, a run of it. You know, you, you can't really dial anything in once. The last couple of years, too, the the gravity was like like way over like what is anticipated to like yeah <laughs> yeah, which is I mean that's cool. It was like yeah, 10, 10, 1060 or something like ten sixty two yeah. this past year or this past time I had it. Yeah. Yeah, nothing last year, right? Yeah. Uh, womp, womp. Actually, um, 
it's it's getting on time for nationals and and i had brian over this weekend to try a bunch of old beer in my cellar to see if there was anything that because i got one more entry i got to fill in and uh we pulled out uh a bell's beer from i think it was three years ago i did a raspberry for bells and it, and it still held up <laughs> it's one of three right one of three out of 12 yeah i got a lot of beer to dump out when uh when i get some time uh, but anyway um raspberry could work well because it's got a little bit of antioxidant in it you know really i was good. surprised uh, yeah i was surprised at how well it 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 hung out for being as old as it was i i it just it lost a case in the in my cellar and uh yeah it was it was all right raspberry is all right there's a lot of bad beer down there <laughs> <laughs> no, i've um, never had a bad beer from jason i have yeah um so after after uh, Commonwealth, you, you, or you, I know you, you did some time at Old Dominion as well, right? But then you got into the, more of the engineering side. It, it seems like um, is that uh, something that you went to school for, or or is it just something that kind of happened naturally through the transition or through your growth in the brewing industry? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, you know, I was always very interested in the in you know brewery construction, and, you know, the, and the the equipment in particular. Um, and with the when I was at Dominion, we had a lot of growth, and I just ended up doing a lot of design work, and and you know, got pretty educated, self educated on it. And I also spent a lot of time at you know, I'd gone to Siebel, and I would go back to Siebel, and I keep teaching at Siebel, and. Um, so when I started that company with with uh, this other guy, you know, we we're building equipment and building breweries, and I just I, it was really a wonderful experience. I traveled a lot and did a lot of really interesting projects. You know, everything from I built basically a half a million dollar homebrew system for a very large malting concern because they were looking to make up a computer uh, driven pilot brewery, on down to um, well, when Yingling, oldest brewery in the country, was building a new brewery, was involved in that design team. There was like sort of four disciplines, and I and I was one of them. So that was really you know another just great experience. And then like a ton of like micro brew pub, you know, just really interesting different projects. Working at Yingling was like just trying to synthesize in like to a space that you know like. If I walked out of the office I, I was working out of and walked down the stairs, these, those beer caves were dug by hand in the 1830s. Wow. Wow. And they they smelled like it at times. <laughs> <laughs> what are you just talking about? Way in the back where everything's been closed down for a while. You're like, yeah, sure. A lot of water leaking out of these walls. <laughs> you talk about, you know, running to the guy that's been at the mall house for 40 years. I mean, Yingling's been around for. 200 plus years there had to have been a lot of history and a lot of old timers there um oh yeah a lot of like a lot of like you know fathers and sons working together generational yeah yeah that's awesome yep i hear they're coming to michigan soon i think i think this summer i think we're supposed to start getting some emailing really oh yeah there was a, a very suggestive you know tweet or comment reply i said i saw the other day that said uh Capital M A Y dash B Y or B E, like maybe. 
they're coming. So yeah, who knows? Nice. <laughs> yeah, I um, I've, I've only had a couple of their beers. It's it's cool the history and and uh, you know the recipes that they're using. It's it's neat. So, um, so then then from there you go into uh, what was next? You started teaching. And well, I taught all, you know, I started teaching pretty early on and um, would always do that in addition to whatever brewing job I was doing. So, you know, take a couple of days and go teach this subject or that subject. I, mean, I taught at Siebel for like 20 something years, maybe 25 years, I don't know, overall. What kind of things did you teach? Every, you know, everything, you know, beer, you know, keg filling and, and keg dispense. Uh, <laughs> Mashing, loudering, uh, you know, filtration and chill stabilization. Something we do not do at Bell's. You know, so it's like, why am I teaching this? Oh. <laughs> it's all beer science, which is, you know, effing awesome. Um, so I would do that, you know, I would do that um, in, 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 in to whatever I was doing. But, I, you know, I built breweries for, I built breweries and was on the road pretty heavy with the consulting side for, five, seven years, something like that. And then uh, came to Bell's to build the brewery and ended up just staying. Was that the, the Comstock facility or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here's an interesting little factoid. So built the, you know, we did all the drawings for it, put the, you, and then you put it out to bid to like a general contractor. We want to build this building, like, you know, send in your bids. And so those plans get published on a day. And the day that is on all those plans, the day that published was September 11, 2001. Oh, man. So you look at all the plans, the original plans for that, and you're like, oh, yeah, that day. Kind of busy day. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's It's interesting uh, or unique that you have that kind of memorialized like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was living. We were. I was living in D.C. at the time, and our our uh, house was not far from the Pentagon. My actually, the babysitter had taken my daughter to go to the Pentagon City Mall, which was on the other side of the Pentagon. So she was like driving. She drove from our house, like in the loop, just around the outside of the Pentagon, and then went to the mall. And then planes hit. All phones go off. It's like, where's our daughter? Uh, well, right. the last we knew, she was heading for the Pentagon. And the next day, September 12th, was the day that the uh, the big moving truck was going to come to our house near the Pentagon. And instead, we had a tank at the end of our street. Oh. <laughs> there was no no big moving truck coming. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I guess not. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's it crazy. just so happens to be his birthday, too. That, that it is. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Wow. wow. Your birthday? Yes, it is September 11th. I did not know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. See, I'm a good friend sometimes. I was going to say you were up fishing with me last year during during my birthday. Well, <laughs> I drink a lot. I drink a lot. For some reason, I thought it was the ninth, uh, and I'm, I'm sitting here going back. Yeah, we were fishing. I drank a lot that weekend. Whatever. <laughs> that's that's uh, what okay. We do. <laughs> We drink to forget and to remember sometimes, <laughs> but um, wow. So uh, we've, we've walked through, I think all of us have walked through the, the brewery up there. It's beautiful. I mean, if, if oh, you yeah. had a, a, or put a part in the design of that, 
I mean, it's just really, really cool. Do you guys um, have any, you know, new construction or expansion going on out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, getting ready, we're, we're getting ready to build a new canning hall because, uh, you know, cans have just gone ape shit since COVID. And, uh, yeah. we, you know, we knew that we were going to need it in a couple of years. It's like, we got to move that up. So we're in sort of, uh, we're past 90% design documents on that. Getting real close. Pretty awesome. Nice. So that's getting, that's getting pretty good. Um, and then a bunch of other projects as well, things like, you know, spent yeast tank and CO2 tanks and, you know, more fermenters. Like I got, a, I got uh, a dozen 800 barrel fermenters that are coming a couple of months. Jeez. Wow. Are yeah. those, how big are the ones we've seen the ones that you guys uh, do two hearted in? How big are those? Two hearted goes through the 400 barrel tanks. And then we've also got some existing 800 barrel tanks that are like sticking through the roof. Like, you, you know, you drive up and you see the tanks, those are 800. So we'll fit, we'll finish out that block. Um, you know, the roof, the roof is like between 30 and 36 inches deep of concrete, you know, heavily reinforced concrete and the holes are already in there. We just got to peel back uh, some covers we have and they'll drop in. Right on. That's good. <laughs> yeah, at least there was some forethought there. Jeez. Yeah. How do you kind of want to see those being installed? That would be that would be a sight. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's like a couple of big cranes and that thing. Like the they get that thing up there super fat. I mean, you're like, holy cow, they're moving, and they just drop thing like swinging. <laughs> they do it real slow. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. I do. Well, the tank, tank kind of comes, you know, the tank kind of comes in on its side like this. So you, they put like one crane here and one crane here. Ah. And then, you know, this one goes up and this one goes down. And, you know, then you've got the tank just hanging like that. They go over and they, you know, drop it in the hole. Sure. The guys who are doing the, doing the crane work are like, you know, it's a, it's a within a half an inch. It's good. <laughs> <You're kind> of, <laughs> Take ways how much? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're huge. So when we did our walkthrough, right. oh, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to go into John's question. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say when we walked through, we got to see the Stroh's tanks, and and John Sutton or the the fermenters mm -hmm. asked if there was anything, uh, if anything was going on there. I think when we were there, they were filled with water. Yeah, we've been trying to, you know, like those tanks are, are super cool, historic, and trying to make the right amount of, of you know, a, a significant beer is something we've struggled with. And it's as much from like, a, you know, like the, how are we going to position it? What if it blows up? Because we only got this many tanks. And <laughs> so we don't have, I don't have anything going on with them right now. We've got some, some I've got some longer range plans I want to do with them, but not prepared to discuss that yet. Okay, good deal. All right. When, when you are ready, you know where to find us. Yeah. So yes, yeah, for another show. <laughs> I'm right, you know, our marketing team does a really good job, I think, of communicating. So it's not like it's going to be, you know, big surprise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's cool. You're I mean, walking cooler. Michigan history there. So. Yeah, I'm sorry. The Strohs. Yeah, no, no, fine. I, I'm just, I'm just reminiscing about my one tour of the the brewery that I did. Is the uh, was the walk-in cooler for your hops down there still called like a Christopher Walk-in? Yeah, <laughs> I got a picture. 
of Mr. Walk-In on the cooler. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I forgot about that, Brian. Way I know. To, that was like uh, my favorite. bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's great. It's, I mean, the aroma in that room is just it's, yeah, it was awesome. It's standing. If you can stand in there for more than, you know, a couple minutes. Yeah. It's cold. Oh, that's cool. Um, somebody asked, going back to like malts and stuff like that earlier too, uh, and it was kind of like, are, are Carafoam and Carapils different malts? Like, is there anything different between those two? Well, I'll tell you, I can tell you the secret of Carapils, but I'll have to kill you. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, they breeze, you know, holds that process very close to the vest. They mm -hmm. do not talk about what, you know, how Carapils is made or what the, where the magic comes in there. So, um that's a secret i guess okay not even you know. have access to it correct although I mean, oh okay yeah <laughs> although i kid them a lot when i see them about it <laughs> so so mostly it's probably the same care foam care pills but i think care foam is right. what who makes that wireman yeah 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 Drop it, Brian. He's not yeah. talking. <laughs> it, it was it was a question that came in uh, earlier, so I just wanted to make sure I got that out there. You got your job done. I got my job done. <laughs> um, somebody else asked, if, like, if you're okay with me just shooting off a couple of questions. Yeah, yeah, fine, make sure yeah that, like, uh, Somebody asked with uh, somebody in a position like you uh, who has all this malt knowledge. Um, the question was whether craft maltsters are able to make malt with the same uh, like consistency and brew house performance as the best industrial maltsters, uh, Rara Brees. Um, to his knowledge, it wasn't too long ago that some maltsters out of the U.S. were having trouble with uh, like consistency and brew house performance. And stuff. So, um, how are how are craft maltsters doing with that right now? So. Uh my old man, my old man once told me that there are two kinds of people in the world: assholes who make sweeping generalizations, and and they didn't finish it for me, so I didn't quite understand it. No, so, <laughs> so, um, so in terms of like when you say craft maltsters, I think that's lumping everybody into a pretty big bucket, and there's an incredible range of. Um, technique, ability, you know, knowledge, like all of this stuff. So, you know, to, to ask, you know, as a broad class, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I could, I don't think I could answer it that way. Now I will sure. say with some craft maltsters, there is a higher degree of variability. There's also a high degree of um, experimentation with, you know, what's coming out and those are, you know, could, could be linked. Right. Um, so those, you know, those very large monsters have have to have excellent process control, and when you're making, you know, like, you know, multiple rail cars worth of malt at a shot, and have done that for generations, they're going to get some pretty good tools. The other thing with a very large monster is that their primary customer might be a very large brewer or brewers 
who place a outsized emphasis on efficiency and consistency. Does not mean experimentation, does not mean flavor. It might be like, here's what we need. So, you know, because they're being graded on that rubric much more than they, they generally have pretty tight specs. Now, have I had, you know, some variation in large monsters? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, by and large, they're, they're usually fairly tight. Um, you know, the place that you run into large monsters, if you want to push them to try and make a new malt, like, let's try this. They don't always do, you know, that, that, that can be a bit of a stretch for some, just like, Trying to be super consistent could be a stretch for some very small moles. Mm -hmm. Well, that was going to say, I, I asked, or that's what I would ask there is, I mean, the amount of too hard that you guys brew, um, do you, do you guys have any, any, are you, do you have challenges there around the consistency of, of delivering, you know, I mean, you brew hundreds and hundreds of barrels or thousands of barrels a year. Uh, and every time I've tried it, it's the same. So there's gotta be a lot of work behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a couple of really, um, there's a, a, a couple of folks who work in the role of technical brewer. And big part of what that group is doing is looking at the analytical data that we've got coming off, um, both internally generated from beers we're making, but also externally generated from like the malt that's coming in. So as we're getting malt reports, like certificates of analysis coming in, if we see the extract values going up or down, we will adjust the amount of malt to meet the, to, to get the end result. So our beers are not, our specification driven, not just like recipe driven of like raw inputs. So it's not like put a hundred pounds of this in. It's like get the outcome that has this. You know, 90 pounds mm -hmm. extract. And if that takes more or less malt to get that extract, then that's absolutely what we're doing. So, and you look at across it, there's across a number of different factors there. So, you know, those malt bills are not uh, just like one malt. We've got a couple of different levers we can pull and, you know, in everything in terms of like color and flavor, as well as just extract. Large, large brewers are just pretty much concerned about extract. How much sugar that I can get into the beer that can be fermented. So with with the uh, with with that work going into Too Hearted and, and the consistency that I've seen there, and I'm not I'm really not trying to be a dick, but it seems to be every year Oberon comes out and everybody's like, oh, this year's different. That year's you know, I do you, do you have do you do the same uh, you know process for Oberon? Like, is is Oberon really the same every year? <laughs> well, let me tell you, this year's batch is going to be awesome because I'm always right. this batch of Oberon. Which would be a f ton of a batch. Um, the um, so yeah, absolutely, we're doing the same thing. And I, you know, I think Oberon's really interesting because people who are drinking Oberon, you know, I think beer is as much uh, about the time and place and company that you drink it. Like these are all sensory inputs that are influencing oh, beyond what's just in the glass. I wish we could blank out our our surroundings and, and, and focus on what's happening. But you know, if it's like, you know, you know, spitting sleet like it is tonight, uh, that's going to affect you differently than like, there I was, it was May. I looked into her eyes, the, the <laughs> <fire> <laughs> whatever, you know, 
as opposed to like looking for the damn cat outside the cat's gonna freeze you know um so and and then on top of that you know beer as it ages changes so maybe somebody's like yeah i'm a huge oberon fan and i bought up a stock and the stuff i drank in december or you know yeah. february is different than the stuff that's coming out you know at the end of march well yeah because the first stuff might be you know you know moving towards a later stage in its life cycle and you know the idea that you somehow have this beer that is static that's frozen in time it's you know it's simply not the case i mean it's it's dynamic it's moving it's and all this so i do think that, that it's there now analytically the beers are the same that's what we're looking for you know we're mm -hmm. buying hops in the same way that we buy hops for two hearted for the same aim of you know quality and consistency um you know there is a little bit of variation in raw material from year to year but it's not that great no, but I, I think I think what you said speaks a lot to it. I mean, year from year, you know, the experiences that we're having, the different, uh, you know, the, the different summer, you know, being that we only get it here during the summer months, um, you know, your attitude is going to change, your place in the world is going to change, your, your mentality is going to change, and it's going to color what you're tasting and, and the memories that it's leaving. So I, I totally get it. I, um, you know, we're not uh, Arizona or Florida, right, where you distribute year round, so we don't get uh, – you know, we don't we don't get to to taste it every day like we do with a two hard or one of the other ones. So yep. thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I still wish you would brew smitten all the time, but I know <laughs> I can't buy enough to make it viable for you. So I get it. You, you nice could. You might have to house. Really, really beautiful. And, you know, the, the uh, Cascades just really came out nicely in that beer. Actually, one of my few like Bell's souvenirs. I had a friend of mine that that used to distribute your beer, uh, old timer, and he had a bunch of Bell's paraphernalia. And I have some smitten tap handles and and stuff, so I get I to see. look at it and remember fondly. Uh, you think it think it'll ever come back, John? We didn't burn. Up. We didn't burn the recipe card. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, when I asked that last question, I got like. Uh, three private messages and two texts like saying I was quiet. Is my mic okay now? Your mic is okay. Yeah, yeah, you sound, okay. you sound good now. All right. Yeah, you faded out, and I think that made you sound like a total douchebag. That's all. <laughs> just that. <laughs> just that. Just the mic. Just the mic. <laughs> um, kind of speaking of Oberon a little bit, um, this is one, one that I had written down uh, to ask, but somebody did mention it earlier. And again, it might be back to one of those uh, like Carapil's questions, but um, before you guys started working with Imperial, uh, Bell's yeast was sort of a, you know, a closely held secret. You guys had instructions on how to propagate it from like old Ron Bob stuff like that. But do you know what the origins of that yeast are at all, or is that like is it, is that something you can talk about? It's a yeast that Larry got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's good for matter. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's. I think it also has, you know, in the brewery environment, you know, so you know, in the brewery environment over time, if, you know, that yeast may have modified somewhat as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I we had it banked, by the time I got to Bell's, it had already been banked and you know propagated off of that. Um, I mean, it's just a 
Solid, solid yeast. I love the character that it throws. It, it's not, a, again, it's not a, you know, yeah, it's a closely guarded secret. We send out pitchable quantities in every bottle we make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was actually going to say, we, we were at uh, either an AHA meetup or or maybe it was just the, the your homebrew com and like Dave was giving out if you brought a jar you could just get a slug of uh, house yeast off of the uh, out of the brewery like they were giving it out yeah um, so and then did you guys work with somebody I, I thought you guys were working with somebody to actually distribute it as a homebrew package. Is, am I totally wrong? It's, it, it's available from Imperial. It's in the home yeah. It is, yeah, Imperial. Okay. The thing attenuates like nobody's business. I get like eighty-two to eighty-five on it, like regularly. Like it's a it's, it's a good harvest too. You know, it harvests nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um. What. What do you got going on right now? I, I, I guess, you know, Bell's always innovating. And, and, and actually, that's in, that was stupid. That's in your tagline, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> right. Um, is there anything anything that you're really excited about doing or, or anything that, that uh, you think is fun that's coming out this year? Um, yeah, I mean, we're playing with, you know, one of the things that we've got going on this year that we finally, finally get to came, that sort of came to fruition is some of our employee spotlight stuff. So we've got now a better process for collecting um, idea, bring ideas from staff and then, then running out small quantities of it. And it goes through the pub and, you know, something like I was down within the last week was down at the pub and was drinking a really nice beer that um, one of our employees, Joey Veter, um, had the idea for so it's got lavender, a little sour. I mean, just like it's the black currant lavender one, right? I think, yeah, or something. Yeah, uh, did, did you have it, Brian? Did you have it? No, you, yeah, no, I haven't had it yet. I just saw uh, it. I would, I would recommend going out. I mean, it was pretty okay. Heavy. Um, just it's okay. really well, it's really nicely constructed. So, being able to do this in a more codified way because I mean, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of ideas that get thrown out and how do you pick them? And, you know, we're going through this process where we're actually blinding the contributor. So we don't know who's contributing the idea. And that's important, I think, because you want to do that independent of your, you know, whatever conceptions you may have of that person, you know, and it's not like we walk around like, you know, that person's a total jerk. Uh, <laughs> But just having that really like super blank slate to be able to really to look at this stuff, sure, it's fantastic. So I think that that's something that I'm very excited about. Um, you know, one of the other things that I think is uh, interesting that's happening is that you know down at our down at the pub, you know, we call that B One Brewery One, and the person who's run B One for quite a long time is this guy by the name is uh, Zeke Bogan. Well, Zeke has family in LA and decided I want to move to be with my family. So he left there and we, we just um, hired for his replacement. And so we've had a brewer at um, who's, you know, she, she's, she's been at Bell's for a while and she's been in the brew house. She did a stint in innovation and she just got that job. So awesome. her gone and she's awesome. really, you know, so I'm interested to see kind of what's coming through that program soon. 
the other thing that we've got that's going on right now is um, we built our innovation brewery out at Comstock. It's, you know, beautiful computer controlled, emulates all of our big systems um, and brews 12, basically 12 barrels of beer to whack. And so we're making, we're, we're able to make like beers that scale very nicely to production through that system and take multiple bites of the apple. And if, you know, if stuff is not right, then it hits the drain, no problem. Um, but one of the things we bought was what we call the four pack. So it's four fermenters that are each three barrels. And so we take that 12 barrel batch, we split it into four, four streams. And then we're doing stuff like we do a fair amount with the hop supply chain, like the public and public and private breeders and pulling in some of these things. So like earlier today, I went down and, you know, we had this, um, triangle test of like, taste these three samples of beer, two of them the same, one's different. Can you pick it out? And this was all going to, you know, national hop research. So getting in these hops that are dried under different conditions, pushing them through this process to see what the flavors are coming out of it, all, you know, like rigorous scientific method for um, sensory examination. Is there a difference? Which is preferred, this kind of stuff. Um, and so to be able to bring this weight of research into uh, the breeding programs is fantastic. And we're doing this also with like new varieties of barley and really trying to be, to act, you know, we act as a brewery that is probably much larger than we are. You know, at one time that research was, was really um, funded and, and stood up by the very large brewers and now not so much. And so we're doing that and we're totally open about, you know, what we're doing and, Here's the data, and it goes back to the to the to the group that were the groups that we're involved with. So, Hop Research Council, Hop Quality Group, American Malting Barley Association, any of these groups. Is that something like you guys are paid to like help with, or is it just like the for the greater good of beer, you know, and for your own innovations and stuff like that? Cool. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, if I think about like the Hop Quality Group, you know, which is a group that you know Bell's was instrumental in the founding of, and you know has has remained very. Um, active with the whole time i actually just stepped down as pretty you know, as like the, the president after 10 years you know doing that for the 10 years that it's been around but you know like other breweries in, are involved as well i mean sierra russian river founders you know new glaris new bell you know these are all breweries that are are doing this and together we can pick up some pretty heavy weight and uh and drive that stuff forward. And I'm interested in what are those new flavors and hops? Yeah. And oh, by the way, we're in on the ground floor. Yeah. So like see this and we're like, we like that. Can we sponsor a private couple acres? They're like, sure. Nice. So like before the thing ever gets a name, uh, you know, well, it's still this number variety. We're making beer with it. I mean, that was the case with Mosaic before Mosaic ever hit. It was, you know, number variety. And we were getting mini bales of it to make interesting beers. Do we find those in like the, like Larry's latest, like IPA sometimes or, okay. Well, funny you ask. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely. We're, we're putting some of those through our, our different techniques for IPAs, but some of them are hops that we've never tried before. You know, I think an interesting thing with hops right now is like, especially new American hops, you know, they're really driving for flavor. And some of those flavors are such that they make really good um, 
they make good orchestra players, not great soloists. They need to figure out who they're playing with. You know, they don't want to. You know, you know, they you don't want you don't want to you don't want to do the just the drum solo. You want the rest of the jazz. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that's awesome. That's actually a great way to put it because there's there's so many of these. There's there's a lot of hops out right now. I think that I've I've tasted people trying to do smashes with, and it's like no, <laughs> there's yeah. this, this thing. Yeah, <laughs> this thing does not stand on its own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like a you know firecracker in your mouth or something. And you're like, you know, if you kind of pull it together with a little, maybe a little more fruit, you know? Right. Uh, I don't know how many people have tried to brew sriracha to try to get the pickle out of it. Like, right? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Uh, dill, dill in that thing. It's like dill, tobacco, green pepper. Like, right, right. It's good as an accent. It's a backup. Uh, that's awesome. So you mentioned Sean is what was that again? She's your your innovation brewer. Well, she's in the innovate. So the innovation, the so we have like a whole innovation group. So that's headed up by Andy Farrell, longtime Bell's employee, super smart, you know, very technically focused. And then he's got um, control of the B one stuff. So you know, Sean's going to be done at B one out at Comstock, the main brewery, the twelve barrel system there. Um, uh, Lawrence Wildshut is our is kind of heads that up, and he's got a couple of again very experienced, really smart brewers out there. Um, and then uh, Pat Kaz, uh, Kevin mm -hmm. Stuchel, Kevin Stuchel, like the longest serving sort of like day to day brewer. Um, Rick Dellinger's been there for quite a long time, and and Kevin's second only only to him. So those you know, Kevin, uh, Pat. Lou, Mike, also, Chris, no, I was, yeah, are all in, are all in that innovation program. I was talking with uh, uh, Sean's boyfriend actually, and uh, were you in the liquor store? I was. I was in a liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Levi, and uh, and I, I actually I meant to reach out to Levi before I emailed you. I was trying to reach out. To, I it was on my list to try to reach back out to Levi to get a connection with Sean to see if she'd be. Uh, down to coming out and talk with us. So I'm going to follow up with Levi now, see if I awesome. can uh, connect with her. I know we really missed out, you know, so like the, 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 this week was, uh, shit, what was it, like National Women in Brewing Day or something we yeah. we should have, you know, not that I, I, I regret hanging out with you, John, but we should have probably <laughs> jumped on that bandwagon. Um, but no, that's cool. I, I didn't know that... Uh, when I was talking to Levi a while ago, I think that was before she took over that. So that's neat. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that news just 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 broke, like you know, in the last week. Awesome. So now now I have to go back to a liquor store and. Ah <laughs> uh, shucks. <laughs> right on. Um, so do you guys? So you did. Uh, do you have any any um, new like creative series is coming out? Like I know we had Planets and then we had uh, the, the Whitman series. Do you have anything else in plan or or anything you're thinking about doing? Well, if we did, I would let the marketing department choose the timeline. Good for that. point. <laughs> <laughs> I still got a six pack of the Planets, and I'll tell you, back in the day when I when I did those, uh, some friends of mine got together and we poured them together, and we thought that the and we called the solar system, 
and uh, we thought that the uh, <laughs> the sum of all of them were actually is a great beer. <laughs> oh, really? You did a party bowl? Yeah, we we filmed it too. I actually have the film somewhere. Us pouring all six of them together and then splitting up and drinking it, it was good. It's fun. Oh, but I, I I still have a for some reason again I have a black hole basement uh, or cellar. And I, I was going through that and realized I had set aside a six pack of the planets for some unknown reason. I still have it. So now I don't think I'll ever open them. Just let them sit. Some will sit better than others. I yeah, I know. That's why I don't, I don't want to open any of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Mercury, maybe not so great. Mars might be falling apart a little. Neptune. Not bad. Not bad. I yeah, can't the one any of those were. Remember uh, my favorite, Mars, obviously, but my favorite was Uranus, the the black IPA. Go figure. I thought it was the greatest. <laughs> I, I um, although I, I really like Black Hearted now too. Um, I liked Black Hearted. Really yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not part of the Planet series. <laughs> no, no, just black IPAs from Bells. Right on. Um, uh, Drew asked earlier in chat too. I don't want to miss it before like other comments come in, but he says I'm curious about some of the resurrected barley strains coming out, like MSU's uh, Spartan barley uh, pre pre prohibition uh, malt. So, yeah, any 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 thoughts or knowledge or anything uh, or experimentation that you have to do with that? Yeah, I think about like the so Spartan, you know, has been held um, in the uh, Aberdeen germplasm bank for quite a while. That's out in Idaho, and that's where you know where they they hold onto these barley varieties. They regrow them every you know every so often, and then bank them again. And you can send away as a you know as a U.S. citizen, you can send away to get like a very small sample of these various barleys. Yeah. I got Spartan back like a long time ago when we first got the farm. I was like, oh, we should totally like we should totally grow some of these original Michigan strains. And we didn't do a great job of growing them, number one, but also agronomically, they weren't great. Um, and if you think about what is happening in barley selection, so for a long time, you know, like farmer would go out in the field and they would harvest what there was and then throw some of it back in the field. And that is a mixed rate. It's like mixed. It's all these different barleys which are growing together. And barley self-pollinate. So like, you know, Spartan barley will make more Spartan barley, unlike apples, which, you know, a Macintosh will not grow a Macintosh. Um, and um, so with this, you know, with this, I looked at these different barley varieties and there are certain things called land races. So land races are a collection of barleys and they become locally adapted. And it's interesting because there's a genetic diversity in there, which makes it really, you know, I think about like if you were in Sweden growing barley and like, there you are growing barley down by the coast and then your cousin comes and grabs your some barley and grows it up in the mountain or further north or whatever. Likely there is a genetic variation in there that favors some over others, but there's always this mix. So maybe the, you know, the particularly cold tolerant ones are doing better up north and the ones that can tolerate moisture better are doing down, you know, going better down south. And so there's kind of constant ebb and flow. And with the modern barley strain, you know, they've, they've got it down so that all of that barley is the same, you know, 
pretty much genetically. So over time, you know, they've bred for better agronomics. Barley wants to grow tall. Um, and then when the wind comes, it knocks it over and causes, you know, the seeds to fall off. You know, you, you don't, the, the farmer doesn't harvest very much, or it's particularly susceptible to one of the fungal diseases or, you know, take your pick among things that can happen, uh, genetically. So that over time we've actually done better. Um, so using these strains is pretty interesting because they do have different characteristics. You look at Maris Otter, which is, um, I'd like to say it's an old strain, but it was developed about the same time I was born. So it's not really an old strain, if you know what I mean. Oh, I didn't <laughs> right. know that. Huh. Yeah. So um, the, but if you look at that barley variety, the reason, one of the reasons why you pay more for Maris Otter is the farmer gets about half off the field that they would with a modern variety. Uh, interesting. Is okay. Something like Golden Promise like that too? Golden Promise is, a, is, is almost as old. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and so there's good reason to pay more for these things. And I think they've got, you know, the way that they act in the malt house and the way they act in the brew house afterwards is, is different and it's great. And I really like those, those varieties, but you, you, you know, there's a reason why you pay more. So that said, something like Spartan, I likened it to, you know, Michigan has developed a lot of things and I, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, like I don't work for Ford so I can steal their thunder. But look for in 2023, they're coming out with a brand new Model T. Exactly the same as the old <laughs> Model T. And it's going to be a huge seller because not at all, right? Because, yeah, right? yeah, sure. Yeah. They could have seatbelts, right, right. crank it, then have, you know, safety. So I, I, look at, I look at Spartan in a similar way. It's interesting, but in the same way as a Model T is interesting. You would think, too, that like maybe like, like a, like, I don't what, what, what I'm looking for. The the land basically would have changed since the times that these were harvested too and stuff, right? So if you were trying to grow them in in the you know regionally same places, like maybe the dirt and pH and whatever else may not be exactly the same. It's going to be the same climate. climate. Is climate. There you go. How about, Jesus? The, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just like Oberon being yeah. different every year. Why can you? Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> So, so speaking of of, of age and, and old stuff, so so some of us have acquired thanks to Larry clearing out his cellar. Uh, we've got some twenty five, six, seven year old expedition stout, um, and, and and I really I would love to get together and, and do like uh, you know open it on air and and, and drink it and, and taste it and talk about it. Um, what do you what do you think? What what did it hold up? Have you tried any of it? Oh yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I think about you know beer, beer ages and the, those uh, flavor changes that you that occur in the beer can be positive or negative, and they can be positive and then negative. And if I think about where I want to see beer, um, you know, the big dark beers just age. Like I think sometimes think you put them in the bottle and they're just like a little too sharp, aggressive, forward, maybe bitter, whatever else. And then as they age down, they become more complex, caramely, delicious. You age them way the hell out and they'll start to, you know, go to soy sauce, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so like kind of where in their lifespan that, that exists, um, you know, with 
most IPAs, you know, you're drinking them as fresh as you possibly can. Sure. You know, some other beers, like I want to drink, I want to drink like um, Third Coast Old Ale or Expo after mm -hmm. a few years in the bottle. Uh, I don't want it. Delicious. I love it. I don't love it fresh as much as I love it with some age on it. You know, I'm used to seeing those five to you know maybe maybe even ten years old. So, but I'm excited to try. We've got another member of Keepers that has years. I, I think if we if we line up, we can get like six years. Yeah. Uh, that we that we were able to acquire. I think um, ninety. What was Brian? Four, 90, five, six. Ninety-four. Yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I've never, you know, tried something that old. I did go back and drink an 08 cherry. Oh yeah. Um, and that was fantastic. It um was. yeah. And and we were actually like sherry flavors kind of, but like it didn't Yeah, the, yeah, the, the the sherry flavor, the the fruit was still there. Um in in uh, uh it, it was it was an old cherry flavor, but in the best way possible. Like it, that age the cherry age as well. Um, and we even ate it with some chocolate and uh, did oh, like yeah. a, a pairing. It was fantastic. Fantastic pairing, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I love the cherry. You know, the cherry is really interesting because that it's got a pretty low pH. You know, it's a little, mm -hmm. little thick. That helps. Um, dark malts, ton of antioxidants. Cherry, the fruit, ton of antioxidants. So it's really set up. That beer is like set up to age well and to get – Again, you get you go from something that's fairly sharp and acidic to something that's just, I mean, wow. You know, in the way that, that great wine does that. You you mentioned fruit and antioxidants a lot. Like is that do you think part of why like a, something like a you know, like a wine ages so well? More more so than like a beer might? Like I didn't I didn't I've never really considered that. And I don't know a whole lot about wine, but <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole, there's, you know, there, there's tannins, polyphenols, um, which are present in, um, in hops and barley husk in wine, in wine grapes, particularly in the skin. So like a red wine and those tannins will bind up over time and change. And if you think about when somebody, what tannins do is they complex with proteins. So if you're tanning leather, you're taking leather, which is mainly protein, you know, the animal hide, which is mainly protein. You're putting it with this tannic acid, which is tannin, and that kind of like pulls that um, structure together tighter. The same thing is happening inside of your mouth. So if you take a particularly like young and aggressive red wine or tea, black tea, and you put it in your mouth, you get this sense of like my mouth is getting tighter. Sure. It's like, yeah. like those proteins are being interlocked with the tannins and actually being pulled together. So, you know, tight is a really good descriptor because that's kind of what's happening. You're like tanning <laughs> the inside of your mouth. So those tannins over time and wines will start to precipitate out. Those tannins are, are maybe anthocyanogen. You know, they, 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 they've got some um, color to them as well. So it, as a wine ages, it goes from that really vibrant, you know, red down through, you know, intermediary down to sort of like a, you know, a brownish kind of color. And the more of them there are, like the better that wine's going to age. So if you think about like a really young Bordeaux as being like, you know, kind of, right. kind of in your mouth. And then over time, 
you need that to be high for it to age a long time. If you had low levels of that, it, would, it wouldn't age well. So in the same way, you know, those polyphenols are coming in from hops and from malt and from fruit. So yeah, those, those things are absolutely there. And, you know, unfortunately for winemakers, they get to play with like one ingredient. So like, what do you, like, what do you, like watercolor with black? Like, <laughs> great. Um, and, uh, you know, with brewers, we've got up, you know, this, this palette that we can uh, bounce between in really interesting ways. Cool. Yeah. If, uh, in, in sort of related to wine, um, I know you guys have occasionally put out things like, like mead and stuff like that. Do you, do you have anything to do with like those, uh, you know, brews or anything like that? Yeah, those come through the program. We don't, we don't, we haven't, we haven't pushed a lot of, uh, we haven't put a lot of effort into them. We've always got some cider on some meat on downtown. But, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not like we're cranking through, you know, 22 new, um, permutations of it over the course of a year. I'd love to do that, but you know, there's like, how much bandwidth do you have? And do you want to do, you know, 82 things poorly or, or one thing really, really well? And that's, yeah. that's absolutely our brewing focus, you know? Right on. Ah, uh, man, let's make sure we're not missing any questions. Uh, John Sutton asks if there's any other Michigan breweries or beers that you have mega respect for. Um, is there anything that's hot right now that, that you're, you're impressed with out in the market in Michigan? Well, let me tell you how much bar drinking I've been doing lately. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it, John. It's, it's been forcing us to bring it all home, right? And try all this, this random shit. Yeah, I feel like I've, I feel like I've just been to ground for most of the last year. You know, not not doing a ton. So, in terms of what's interesting and happening with other Michigan breweries, I can't wait to get back out there and see more of that. You know, <laughs> I know I, I I want to do a road show myself, and I'm just getting sick of being pent up. Yeah. Needs to be over with. yeah yeah i agree well i really appreciate uh you hanging out with us tonight and um yeah i think this has been great and informative and uh you know for the 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 people at least in the homebrew community here you know it's always uh you and the, the guys at bells are always kind of like the rock stars in the industry so to get to, to hang out with a local hero like you for an hour has been really great appreciate your time yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank, you for, thank you for having me. This has been great. You know, I always love talking beer. So, yeah, and not leaving sure. my house much these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I am all COVID and vaccinated up now, so that's pretty good. Nice. Uh, congrats. Good. Yeah. Getting my first shot tomorrow. So, yeah, yeah. I normally work out of California, and uh, I, I this is I just crossed a year where I, I haven't been to the office uh, for a year because of COVID. And so I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I'm getting shot up tomorrow and in April and I'm booking a trip for May. So <laughs> there, there you go. Good. That's great. And right on. Watching live, uh, John, uh, it's not a virtual background. That is his actual cozy place. Oh, yeah. We already went through uh, that and he made fun of us or me for asking. Yeah. Are you warm and toasty? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I say, those people have been probably watching his fire slowly die down. Slowly die down. I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> out right now is beautiful. Like, you know, I've been cooking inside of my wood stove occasionally. Oh, awesome. that sounds wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, like yeah, it's been really good. You know. So like, have you done any like that? 
you got into the bread. Have you tried baking like, on top, like in a Dutch oven or anything? No. No, I, you know, I do a lot of I do a lot of pizza. I do like pizza every Sunday night. You know, just have done that for years. Um, and I'll do that. You know, maybe on the grill or whatever. Um, but I haven't I haven't baked much in here. I mean, this thing gets effing hot. So like, I've been throwing. I did uh, some friends. A friend come over um, last week, and I did like lamb chops in there. Ooh, wow, that dang. sounds awesome! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> them for like an hour and a half at like one thirty, and then finished them in there. Like, like they just were delicious. <laughs> mm. That sounds awesome. Right on. Well, thank you again. Um, we will get our next show posted here shortly. Uh, we're going to get into some needs. Um, what else, Brian? Um, I know that we have uh, uh, another brewery lined up in April. Right? Oh yeah, we're gonna get uh, Five Shores on. So we've got okay. Ellie. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, we're gonna talk to Five Shores Brewing from up north. Uh, Ellie's a graduate of the KVCC Western Brewing Program at Kalamazoo. Um, John, have you? I know I keep trying to exit the show, but have you done anything <laughs> with that program, or have you been involved at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean that that program. I mean that program's super super good. We do a we do a a, a thing with them where we have a, a, a one year paid internship. Right on. Selected from one of the students that go to there. Oh. Now this last year we did not do it well. You know, COVID was raging. COVID. We're bringing that back. Absolutely. Oh, that's that's cool. really that's really sweet. We, yeah, we're yeah, talking, and and would love to have like probably like somebody from the program and like, like a student from the program or something on. So oh, maybe, yeah, absolutely. maybe we can get in touch with you and get like an email address or something. Yeah. absolutely. That, that'd be so fun. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, we'll, we'll be back in April uh, with Ellie. I can't remember her last name from five, Four, five shores brewing. And then we've got a couple of the breweries I'm working on right now. And then Brian's got some topics um, and we're going to bring back some homebrew clubs um, as we ramp up to our one year. So uh, yeah. Keep your eye out on the page, and we'll post some shit here in the near future. Cool, so, John. Thank right. you so much, man. Thank you very yeah, much. Thanks a lot, man. I learned a lot. I appreciate it. So here's the fun part. I'm gonna play the outro, and they can still hear us. And we always talk through it. <laughs> right. Uh, we we used to try not to talk through this, and then I know it's everybody. Like, oh, <laughs> it just became our thing. It's funny. Yeah. Thanks, everybody.